hey there all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of podcasts about lists and comics and stories and more. Congratulations, you've arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This is episode number 117. I am your host, Seth Singleton. I'm bringing you all the books from the week of August the 3rd. That's right, final month of summer. We get a little closer, a little farther away, and for some reason, it's only when I'm recording that my dogs feel a need to clean themselves. I, I can't explain it, but I just heard a grunt from someone who feels probably I was talking about them, and now they're just going to turn around and give me the look that says, you could have just been cool, dude. You could have just been cool. Hey, maybe that's the whole reason. That's the whole reason for dogs. They just kind of keep you honest. So kicking things off for this episode, going to go ahead and dive into a fun book that caught my attention simply with the title Suicide Squad. Get Joker. That's right. It's a book all about taking down that prince of clownery, that clown prince, that oh dastardly man. Now, here's the fun part for me is if you're looking for a way into this story, well, you're lucky that you've got Brian Azzarello as the writer. Because not only does he capture the best of what you want in a story like this, like for starters, Why go after the Joker? Like, how does it work that you choose to go after him? Well, for a fun story, you create a personal connection, which is where you have the great insight, which is, imagine if Jason Todd is captured, and if at that time he's kind of an annoying figure in the prison bureau, ending up at uh, Bell Rev would probably be a likely possibility, and given his skill set, it would imagine or come to the imagination or seem likely that he would then turn around and find himself not only in the crosshairs, but as a chess piece in the arsenal of Amanda Waller. Bringing out the the gorgeous behind all of this, we've got Alex Malie providing the art, Matt Hollingsworth with the colors, Jared Fletcher with the letters, Alex Malie with the original cover, and Jorge Fornes with the variant cover. Looking for all the pieces, they're all right there. Everything you want, great intro by Jason explaining how he got where he is, in case maybe a reader isn't familiar with Jason Todd at the opening of this story and wants to have an idea of why it is he has such an aversion to crowbars. And also how it is that going to Bell Rev means no longer dealing with the same degree of violent psychos that he might find in a normal prison. And because of that, how he has to, well learn how to think differently. Waller brings him in with the story that they're going to go after Joker, which I like because it's kind of interesting in the way that Jason wants to point out that he's not dead, and Waller wants to point out that he was murdered, and she knows all about it. And she thinks it's something that's going to work well for the upcoming mission. And of course, after Amanda Waller makes that offer, what I enjoy is the really, really impressive artwork that shows Jason in different stages of thinking. And it's well reflected between the prison bars and the lighting and the shadows, but also there's like a whole really interesting palette of colors used in three panels, then another three, and then finally this long panel at the bottom with a great question, which is, okay, so who do I got to do this with? And from there, you've got a, a really fun, classic, you know, here are the nut jobs that are on this mission, 
and how do you make them all work in a cohesive way? Now, the fun thing about this issue is that it starts out with this concept of, okay, you're going to stop someone who's really, really bad. You're going to use some people that are a little bit quirky, are a little bit crazy, but there's a plan and there's a few notables who are worth considering. But then there's the possibility that this is something that your target wants, that because of how they think, the target actually is pursuing all of this. And with that is the understanding that when a story takes a decidedly important turn, it gives us the chance to consider what happens when someone like Waller finds themselves turned upside down, standing on their heads, completely confused and with that, sure, I figure she's always got a backup plan or two or five, but then there's also the possibility that who you're fighting might be considering that too, or be at least prepared for it. Oh, the dogs are settling down and moving around. But for me, that's what really made Get Joker uh, a fun story that's well told, but also beautifully captured. And you're going to enjoy the cast of characters, the wonderful uh, sort of back and forth that's created because of the personalities involved, and how it is that this takes the whole, yeah, sure, Suicide Squad just came out and everyone's going nuts. But at the same time, what if you point that in a completely different direction, offer something to longtime comic fans who know the history and new fans who might enjoy the introduction, what it would be like to have a mission with Jason Todd on the team going after Joker. So that's where it kicks off for me, and that's what makes this episode so much fun to lead off with a great title, with an original concept. And I thought it was really a bit of fun. Uh, the little one, Bruno, he seems mildly excited. He seems kind of like, you know, reared up by all this. But then he gets comfy too, and well, what are you going to do? Except move on into the second choice. And for that one, I decided to go with Suicide Squad number six. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm keeping with the whole Suicide Squads out theme. But you should know that there were at least two other books that I could have considered. And one of them also includes a Suicide Squad. And yet I didn't include that one. And that's my personal choice. Want to know what it is? Stay tuned to the end and I'll, I'll maybe remember to tell you. If not, send me a message and I'll share with you. If you know all the books that came out this week and you've read it, and you know, well then get out there and start blabbing, because maybe some people don't. And if you want to be the voice before me, please, I will happily step aside and allow you to do so. For me, what really sort of made Suicide Squad interesting is that we saw some events in the, uh, as my voice goes really high there. <laughs> um, I should also point out there was a little break between when I wanted to record this and when these books came out. I had to have no surgery. I'm a little nasally and I'm also ridiculously congested and squeaky. These things happen. Um, let's just say that if I had tried to do this maybe about four days ago, it would sound like I was so stuffed up. And I bet like that it would just really, yeah, I had to already record some stuff and, and I had no choice. Timing was just, that's the way it was. But <laughs> I'm glad I can bring you this voice. So bringing things back around to future state. One of those things that was kind of a big deal was the idea of Amanda Waller no longer being satisfied with the earth where she was already trying to influence things, but instead looking over to, well, Earth 3. It's a world 
that's ruled for those who are fans of and are familiar with uh, the the evil opposites of the Justice League we know. Everybody is uh, is a bad version, whether it's Superman's opposite, Black Canaries. And over there, Amanda sees a team. And in, in Future State, we had the chance to consider what that team might look like if, if Amanda was to set her sights. Oh, hey, Fiji, what you doing? Oh, she's up and around. If Amanda was to set her sights on another world and use the tools at her disposal, a.k.a. Task Force X, a.k.a. Suicide Squad, and bring about change on a global scale, uh, a change in a place where she doesn't have, you know, history and connections and all other factors that would inhibit her decision. Basically, imagine if you could go to a world just like ours, but not like ours. And because you have no connection or and or because no one has any way to hold you accountable for making these decisions and these very global changes, you could thus, in effect, change anything you wanted about a world that you couldn't change here on the world on which we live. That's essentially what Waller was doing in Future State. We are setting up more of that here and yeah, it's a mission in Ann Arbor. And uh, yeah, it appears that there is some, you know, decidedly unpleasant things going on, like the capturing of people and using them against their will, which is, of course, what Amanda Waller does. I don't know if that's what's getting my dog so excited about that bone over there. He suddenly started to start chewing. But there is the horrible that is what Waller is willing to do when it comes to getting information and man uh there there's some really ugly stuff that happens in the first like 20 pages um with that in mind is the fact that it's also a reminder of just how much you have to consider how much you have to face how much how much you have to remember when it comes to the suicide squad i mean yeah, it's cool that they can go on missions and that they've got all this stuff going on. But then there's the fact that they show up on Earth-3 and one of their teammates, who has been a really interesting version of Talon, um, but one familiar to fans who know the history and why he would be in the condition he's in in this story, uh, man, he gets to Earth-3 and he's struggling to breathe there. There's an adjustment process for those from this world going to Earth-3. And it it's not fun, it's not good, it's not enjoyable. And because of it, there is also the fact that, well, it's gonna be hard on the rest of the team when they have to continue with whatever their strategy is, despite the fact. So there's actually more than one mission going on in this story. The other mission is taking place in that other book I said I'd tell you about later on. Um, But, it is referenced, so you know that there is not only the mission to Earth-3, but another mission that's going on in another location with a totally different crew. The big problem is when you go to Earth-3, you have a limited number of time before A, you uncover what's going on with some of your compatriots, like Talon, who is suffering, and B, what happens when you're finally recognized and discovered by the biggest enemy that there is for these guys to be facing on Earth-3. <clears throat> that would be Ultraman. He's violent. He's powerful. He's addicted to kryptonite. He's really just an ugly person. He's fairly, fairly terrible. 
Um, <laughs> and Superboy is doing his best to hold his own. Now, this is, of course, Connor, not uh, John, not Superman's son, but a version of Superboy who is only going to be able to hold up so well against Ultraman. And then there's a lovely twist at the end of this one that just takes us in a completely different direction. And I would just say, if you're looking forward to something like that, then this issue is going to be right up your alley. Could be a great jumping on point. There's been a lot going on so far, but if you've been following along, then this discovery is just going to simply keep the road spinning and swerving down that twisty road. Hey, we're going to take a quick ad break, catch you up on all the great things going on here, and then bring you on back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Hang around. You're listening to DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Madbub, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. (laughs) We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. (laughs) Off the the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're gonna be That's talking about we're gonna be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't. Want- God damn it. Look, all right, we're gonna Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes. Content creation reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's seasoned, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. All right, as promised, those ads are done. There goes that cool, smooth, jazzy sound fading away. And I'm here to pick things up with you with my third choice on the list. That is my top five picks from DC Comics this week, just like every week. And for this one, I I decided to go with Crush and Lobo, issue number three. They've really caught my attention with the way this story is spilling out, and I have nothing but joy and laughter when I read through the issues. Um, You know, there's a gift that comes with Mariko Tamaki and what she's offering to fans uh, and those who are new to Crush and this weird relationship with Lobo, who is certainly not a father figure, but he is an older male figure and he's part of her life, whether she wants him or not. Gorgeous art here by uh, Amenke Nwelpon. We've got Tamara Bonvalin, Ariana Meyer. So Tamara Bonvalin providing the colors, Ariana Meyer providing the letters. Cover by Bernard Chang with a variant cover by Carrie Rudolph and Peter Stegerwald. 
Lobo is suggesting to Crush that things are different since he has been locked up on, well, a place that's quite unpleasant. It's a prison. He reached out, sent a message, invited her to come see him. She agreed. Along the way, there's also been a few issues that have been um, pointed out with a uh, relationship that Crush kind of had going on and seems to constantly be ruining, even though Katie is a great girl. And, you know, Crush, she's, she's had her share of interests, but she's clearly allowing this to get in the way, which is not something Katie wants, but something Crush is willing to do to avoid the serious uh, commitment um, issues that she has and that are clearly damaging her relationship with Katie. So Lobo gives the hard sell. He really offers up the idea that he's a changed man and he wants to do things different. And there's a connection they have being the only two uh, Zarnians. Okay, but now I got to drink some coffee because that just leaves me with that serious contemplation thing, which is Lobo being serious. Pause for dramatic effect. Okay, so coffee sipped and drank. I'm going to keep charging along. Yeah, that was my thermos popping. So, okay, so we've got Lobo. <laughs> and uh, we've seen him do the ugly, the dirty, the baddie. I've even had a chance to go back and read some old Omega Men issues when he was first popping up. And even then, when he was part of a different race and had something more of like a purple leotard kind of kiss-inspired outfit... Which actually, I really feel like overall, that's that's one of his biggest uh, things. Draws connections, yeah. Nothing about that feels trustworthy to me. I mean, all all to the love by those who know and you know, crush on Kiss, but Kiss doesn't inspire me like as a look and as a belief system to sort of go, yeah, you're trustworthy. So maybe that's where my hackles go up when it comes to Lobo, or maybe it's just the fact that he's always going to be the dirty dog. Is he changed? Well, Crush is going to find that out for herself by the end of the issue. So will you as the reader, but I don't get to decide that because... Unlike my early, early, earliest episodes where I was like, screw it, spoilers, take it, whatever... I'm not going to drop that one on you. I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit. And this means that if should you go in and find out for yourself what I've suggested, alluded to, perhaps inferred, perhaps just, um, yeah, in some way gave the possibility of, if you agree, if you disagree, or if you got something else to add, discover, find out, get back to me, let me know. You can find me here with the DC Comics News gang. I try and let you know all the ways to keep up with us and the platforms where you can find us. All that at the end. What I can say is I've talked about three books this episode. And all of them have been five out of five quality collections that I am happy to bring to you and share with you on this episode. And I also figure like, so why should I bother with, you know, screwing up a good thing? Why not keep it going for that one? I decided to go with The Dreaming, Waking Hours, number 12. Really enjoyed this one. G. Willow Wilson, 
really great writing. Uh, I love the the new character that was introduced at the beginning of this arc, and uh, I've loved the story that they've been telling. Gorgeous art by Nick Robles, capturing the dark, the scary, the nightmarish, as well as the wonderful, the beautiful, um, the fantasy, the fairy. Uh, letters, Simon Bolin, really phenomenal. I mean, just captures voices, nuances, uh, tone, direction, uh, inflection, you name it. Colors by uh, Mateus Lopes, or Lopez. I'm not 100% on pronunciation of that. If I mess it up, that's just... I mean, even when you tell it to me the right way, there's a 50-50. I'll just spit it out the wrong way. And then really gorgeous cover by uh, Marguerite Sauvage. Um, <laughs> really just captures a sense of spirit and mystery, a wonderful sense of dream, as well as these characters who simply aren't following the rules that they're supposed to be following, and, and that's how it's going to go sometimes. That That's how great stories are told. Um, what we do get is a great story about how, you know, things are never perfect. Like, Fairy Kingdom isn't great. Um, ruins struggling with the idea of, like, what if everything could be completely ruined? Uh, <laughs> which is interesting for a guy named Ruin about whether or not he completely ruined everything because he's a nightmare and he's a terror. But there's what we fear is happening, and then there's what's actually happening. So a lot of times there can be like a horrible, fearful thought that we might be considering about people, about a situation. We, we often can imagine the worst, giving ourselves the least amount of doubt. But it's in those moments when we can discover so, so very, very much. And I love the fact that Ruin is willing to open a door and make a discovery. And from that discovery, not only use what he has discovered and learned to stand face-to-face -face with his creator, with Dream, to ask the questions, to pose the possibilities to challenge what someone is created for and also how it is that Heather after can play a valuable role in helping her friend because he wants this independence he wants this life he wants to pursue something that immediately and in a very powerful way drew him from the dreaming into a completely different world and then there's also just that sense of reward that can come for those who it seems so unexpected, maybe even impossible, but there's that redemption, that return, that possibility, and it's out there, I think, for all of us. And because of that, we can be reminded through this really magical story just what that feeling is like when we get the chance to maybe go home, maybe return to a place we thought we could never go back to, maybe discover that how we imagine ourselves and how bad we are in relation to the place we want and how the bad in us separates us from the place we want to be when the place we want to be just wants us to come back accepts us for who we are loves us for who we are it, it's a pretty gorgeous story and like i said you have the amazing wilson to uh you know to thank for the great story and you have this amazing artistic team to thank for this absolutely gorgeous story i thought it was such a wonderful addition, and I love having it here as my fourth choice on this week's episode. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but right now, outside, there's that, that sound of all those summer activities, which 
I mean, sure, it's August, but pretty soon it'll be September, October. And as we get colder and wetter and there's no longer the need or the practical, you know, sense for doing things like mowing the lawn or keeping up with trimming hedges because they're either not growing or it's so muddy. It's just like better to let things grow and be. It, it can also be great to think about one of those like luxurious ways to spend a summer vacation, either the beginning, the middle of the end, you know, going to a, a nice house on a lake. Yeah, I know there's a, a tinge of sarcasm that comes in when uh, when I say that. <laughs> Yet, I also feel that it is appropriately measured against the next title that we're talking about. I'm talking about the nice house on the lake. It is beautiful. It is dark. It is written by James Tynan the Fourth. And if you've loved some of the stuff he's been doing in the independent world, as well as some of the scary stuff he's been doing with Scarecrow in Batman, you're going to love this book. If you already do and you're with me to celebrate its joys, well, then knock, knock, cheers, cheers. I am with you on that. I've got this issue. I've got all these issues on my list. And um, I'm also well aware of the fact that there will be a period where we will not be able to feature uh, nice house on the lake for a little while. If you keep up with the weekly podcast, we even mentioned the fact that there is going to be a very unfortunate long pause for a few months, especially at the end of a very, what should be terrifying as it's been suggested by Tynan cliffhanger. And then we'll get a chance to get back to this. So happy to include the ones that I can here. So Tynan doing the amazing writing. We've got Alvaro Martinez Bueno providing the art and the cover. Jordi Belair's colors capture some gorgeous stuff. I mean, Bueno's art really gives you that sense of the spooky, of the, the sort of mythic and idyllic associations that can so often go with the mountains, the lake, the wilderness, how they can be so like beautiful and picturesque and and, and comfort sounding or looking, but then you get there, and then there's the reality, and there's neighbors, there's wild animals, there's the unpredictability of it all, and then of course there's the events that have been transpiring on, uh, on, well, this nice house on the lake in this book for these characters. They have arrived in a place where once they are there, they know that one figure behind it all, Walter, has been secretly, in their eyes, uh, and told through the many viewpoints that are offered in each one of these books, what it is that they didn't recognize before that they can see now, the hindsight that, that suggested just what possibly Walter was plotting, planning, and leading to. And we've been doing this through each character, and each character has a different way of connecting with Walter, the how and the why. And this particular one suggests the idea of what it means to have someone who is far away and wants to still be important to the lives of the people around him or them when they lived in a place. I'm saying him in this case because it's Walter. Um, Walter, in this reason, is away, and in this example, he wants to take care of the people he's left behind, and he's asking others to do it. And the character that he's asking to do it is the one who we find in uh, the beginning of this story. And it's been the case up until now, where at the beginning of each story, there is a character who is um, 
talking to the reader, talking to the camera, sort of finding themselves so many days out. And as they are, they are turning to uh, the people. And they are talking to us as though trying to reason, trying to explain, trying to let us know what's going on. And so it is that that we get this sense of this introduction of Walter, someone who is always kind of manipulative, someone who is always trying to influence and be a part of. And sure, you can hear the neighbors outside, you know, talking, catching up. But how much of that conversation really plays into, you know, the long term? But it could just be right now outside that they're having a conversation that seems like it's about one thing now. And then so many years into the future, looking back, could find that there's so much more that was being said that you couldn't connect to until there was a point in which suddenly there was a relevance or a reason to recall it. Um, You know, and we've got this character, Sam, describing their relationship with Walter and what it was like early on. There's also some really interesting uh, style choices as far as in this issue and others where Tynan has used different things like transcriptions of phone calls or transcriptions of audio and video recorded to maybe provide a detachment, but then also to provide a different way of sort of considering information, view, um, so many other elements that I think really come into play when it comes to characters and why they do what they do, the little things that can build up to a big moment or something else equally significant. And so it is that Sam isn't sleeping well on day four. And he's now struggling with the parts of the house that we saw being influenced in other issues and the possibility that Walter is asking some to do what he wants, despite how others might feel in an attempt to get them to play along, to do things according to the schedule, to adapt to a completely new way of being and living. Sam's not feeling it. He wants to explore. He wants to go out. And what he does explore and uncover is really interesting compared to those who just want to go out with some beers in the boat and hang out on the water and try and just not think about the fact that everyone they know who can no longer be with them and will never see again because now they are the only survivors on the planet in this house while Sam is uncovering more and more pieces of art. Now, there's the one in front of the house where if you touch it, it will show you where you lived and all the terrible things that have happened there and how it is that all the people you knew are dead and gone. But what do these other pieces mean? And there's also some great style things going on here where we've got Sam keeping a journal, he's got drawings, he's got sketchings, he's got thoughts. And we also have Sam reaching out at a place that he discovers and trying to challenge Walter to face him, to answer questions, but also unaware that sometimes, like a one-way mirror, there's what you can see and there's what's on the other side. And man, there's a really great moment that suggests that There are people who can see what other people are doing and yet not be seen. And there are really great ideas about what we think we know when we're trying to uncover something. Sam is doing this really great job of um, what it is that he wants to know more about. Like how it is that he's trying to understand what's going on and what he wants to do about it. Which 
I think is going to be part of the future issues. But at the same time, I also think that there's this feeling, this wonder that will be uncovered for each of them, along with, I think, a degree of horror that will add to the growing suspense that has and will, I think, continue to be the trademark of the uh, nice house on the lake. Really great issue, really powerful, disturbing, scary, a fun way for me to wrap up this episode. You've been listening to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 117. The furries in the background making noise are Fiji and Bruno. They're snoring, they're slobbering, they're chewing, and they're just part of the atmosphere. Thanks to the neighbors for doing the yard work, providing that little context and uh, background for you. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. You can catch me here with the gang on every episode of The Spinner Rack right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Just subscribe now. You'll catch me. You'll catch all the uh, future episodes of The Spinner Rack, the weekly podcast, uh, our episode-by-episode programs like I Am The Night for Batman the Animated Series or Mad Love for the Harley Quinn Show and so much more we have in store and coming your way. In fact, don't forget on YouTube, we've got DC and After Dark. You can make sure that you never miss any of this. Whatever platform you're on and you type in at DC Comics News, not only can you A, use that to subscribe to us on all those platforms, but B, use that when you're shouting out to us with a message. Just at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Boom, DC Comics News. Leave a message. Let us know what you're thinking. You can leave a message for me that way. And this way I can hear it. The whole gang can hear it. We can all jump in and let you know what our thoughts are. And also, you know, it's fun to know what you're thinking and uh, get the chance to have a great conversation with you. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Can't wait to bring you more from DC Comics News and the Spinner Rack next time around. Until then, we have one thing we always like to say, and that is to always read more comics. All right, now, have a good one.